welcome back to another episode of the Mac and D podcast. How you doing, Jimmy D? And real quick, happy Halloween. Hey, happy Halloween to you as well. I, I'm doing pretty well. I'm a little tired after this weekend. I went duck hunting with my family, so up early pretty often. Not a lot of uh, water or exactly healthy eating, so it really wears on you over, over the weekend. But it was a good time. Came home, just watched a ton of football, like just every condensed game I could get my hands on, more or less. And uh, yeah, just ready, ready to talk, uh, talk sports here. And unfortunately, uh, or not unfortunately, like it's it's weird doing it on a Monday. Usually, you know, we're doing it right after the game, so trying to have a little bit of a revision, revisionist history here. I guess I'm not sure if I'm even saying the right thing. So let's let's yeah. just talk football. Yeah, a little expo facto, a little, little reverse, a little going back in the past. Never hurt nobody. Yeah, it's 5.56 on Monday that we're recording this podcast, right before the Bengals and Browns play on Monday Night Football. I thought that was a pretty apt game, given that they're both orange and it's Halloween today, but I'm excited for that matchup a lot. Uh, I just got a new mattress, which has been like the big new thing for me in my life. Uh, I got this mattress online I paid a good amount of money but it came out of a box i don't know if you've ever had a mattress like that that you like get rolled up and then you have to like unroll it and let it inflate for a couple days but it is so freaking soft man like i didn't know mattresses could be this way like i've always had like those 1970 mattresses that are as like stiff as a board but this one like you just sink in like it forces you to the middle and it like imprints with your body and then you just like stay in one spot for the entire night it's like what the hell like my body's like in a cocoon at all times so it's been interesting the last couple nights sleeping on that how does it feel to officially be an adult at this point, right? Like when you get excited about a mattress, that's when you know that your youth is is over. Yeah, just a little bit. I, I I read a thing on Reddit that like you need to like invest in the things that are between you and the ground, which like it's Reddit advice. Like how good is it actually? But it's like talking about like shoes and mattresses, things like that. Just things to like actually keep you comfortable and keep you healthy. So I was like, fuck it. I'll, I'll put a few hundred dollars down for this. So um, it's it's comfy. I'm not going to lie. Like I've gotten some very good night's sleep with it, but I, I I'm dubious because it's just so like soft and you just sink into it like a cloud at all times it's crazy um all righty so let's move into news for the week uh this weekend of football was insane it was like actually fun for once which was very very nice it was a big change of pace from the low scoring football games that we've had lately yeah i got out of the duck blind finally got some internet connection and was like talking with my buddy on our drive home and we're just looking over the scores, and, and I just couldn't believe myself. I'm like, holy crap! There's just so many actually relevant players. Kyle Pitts got a touchdown, so I, you know, I was pinching myself. Um, DeAndre Hopkins popped off. Dalvin Cook popped off. Like, there's just so many people that just really turned it up. Uh, you know, ETN having that big breakout game, uh, kind of solidifying not not to do a victory lap, but just really kind of proving the whole like holy shit it you know it's finally happening we can get amped up tony pollard huge week now that zeke was out um bad call on your part for saying don't start pollard uh good call on my part for saying start him the second that you know zeke is officially out and he had three touchdowns um people that picked up deontay foreman off of waivers are just like laughing their way to an easy dub CMC with the triple crown that you know this past week and Kamara having a, a borderline Kamara getting all over again like this was the fantasy football that people you know sign up to see and it was just a fantastic weekend for just almost like every relevant player yeah all the teams that we thought 
previously were fairly incompetent actually looked really great. Like we knew that the Lions and Dolphins game was going to be high scoring, but like Panthers Falcons didn't look like a suck fest. That was incredible. And then the one that was the biggest surprise to me was Bears and Cowboys turned into a bit of a shootout. Like Bears kind of got it close. It was down to like five points for a little bit there where they were actually in the game. And not to get on a little platform here, not to get on a soapbox real quick, but I still stand by the Tony Pollard thing. I don't think it was that bad of a call. The, I don't know if you watch this game, but it's the local game that we have here in Texas. And Tony Pollard got the best blocking that the Dallas Cowboys have done all season. I've watched a lot of Cowboys games this this year, including seeing them in person last week. I have never seen their offensive line as currently constructed block that well. Like they were just creating the most gaping of holes for Tony Pollard. And whenever he went out to catch a pass, he was wide open as well. I don't really know what the Bears quarterbacks were doing. So yes, Tony Pollard went off. Maybe this is a little bit of coping. Yes, I'm making excuses, but I don't think that Tony Pollard was uh, a bad call to be sitting this week just because this was an unprecedented unprecedented level of success for him and for the offensive line. And at the end of the day, he only had 14 carries. So like he didn't get like a ton, a ton of volume. They had yeah, other yeah. guys that were getting involved like Malik Davis. So you're, I don't you're know. high Probably off crazy. of copium right now. Uh, I mean, just see, seeing the cuts he was making, he was breaking tackles like this. This was peak Pollard. And it's what I think everyone's kind of expecting in the off season could potentially happen. Um, you know, you hate to see Zeke injured, but that's like, that's what almost needs to happen to finally get someone to pop off. Do you think going forward, the cow, like did, did Pollard's, you know, solidify himself as RB one in Dallas or the second Zeke's back, does he immediately just start getting 15 touches again? I wish it was Pollard because as much as I'm shaming Pollard, I still think he's the best out of the two backs, Zeke and Pollard. But there was a Jerry Jones interview that came out today and God, Jerry Jones was just doubling and tripling down on their investment on Zeke Elliott. It's almost like Jerry Jones never went to business school and learned what a sunk cost was. But it seems like Zeke, as soon as he comes back, is going to end up being the starter, starting running back again, which is kind of unfortunate because Pollard just looked more dynamic, even with the closed off lanes that you see for Zeke. And the, they kind of opened up a little bit for Pollard. I still, it still looks like that it's going to end up being Pollard go, or uh, Zeke going forward just because that's what Jerry Jones wants and what Jerry Jones wants is what goes. So uh, it's kind of unfortunate, honestly, like just seeing the guy who is a little bit more dynamic getting bench kind of blows. Yeah. So we're going to talk plenty, I think about Pollard and all these running backs later, but maybe we can move on. So how did it feel watching Illinois defense suffocate your, your corn Huskers this weekend? You know, I watched the game from start to finish was in a lot of pain watching it as well as our quarterback was in a lot of pain. You guys injured Casey Thompson, which was unfortunate. Uh, going into the game, I thought that our triple threat at offense would end up being good enough to supplant your all's defense, which I didn't realize, but literally like a top five defense in all of the country, which I thought was just like a, a product of bad opponents, but it, it ended up being extremely true. Uh, we could not stop your running back at all to save our lives. He was just gobbling up yardage. And uh, yeah, bad game. Like we, we couldn't get much going. And then when we had our backups in, I, I don't know if you, you didn't get to watch this game because you were in the duck blind, but our backup, um, it's Purdy, the the brother of Brock Purdy. And he was just throwing these little shovel passes. Like the one that you were talking about last week with like Travis Kelsey, he did that for every single play. I'm like, dude, do you know how to throw it overhand? Like, are you a competent quarterback? So we, uh, we had a very, very rough, rough sledding. So congrats on ranked Illinois. You guys are legit. That's right. We are in fact legit. 
<laughs> I, it hurt. You know, I'm not going to lie. I, I really was hoping for the Cornhuskers to win this game because if we would have won this game, we'd be in contention in the Big Ten West, but it just fell apart so quickly. Like, you guys got a couple touchdowns on the board. Um, we had a couple plays that were pretty lucky. Like, we had a Travis Vokalek, um, product of Springfield, Missouri. Shout out Springfield, Missouri. Uh, he got a nice pass right off the on the sideline and then broke, like, two tackles by two guys running into each other. And he run, ran all the way down the sideline. But, like, we could not get lucky after that. Everything went wrong after that play. So, um, congratulations. You, you won our Super Bowl of the season. Now it's just time for the Patriots and Lions to be in the Super Bowl. And that's all we need. Yeah, I mean, we already saw what would happen if the Patriots and Lions face each other. So I'm, I'm hoping that becomes a Super Bowl matchup because I'd believe in us again. Yeah, we didn't get to hype that one up, though, because that was the week we didn't do a preview, which was unfortunate. But um, Some injuries happened this week, though. Uh, the main one, though, when it comes to fantasy football is Cooper Cup injured his ankle late in their game against their loss with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, looks like he's going to be day-to-day from the information that I've seen. Uh, nothing too crazy, but it seems like it could end up impacting him at least this week. Uh, Cooper Cup still had an incredible game uh, despite the injury, but how worried are you with this Cooper Cup injury and how worried are you for the remainder of the fantasy stars in L.A., uh, chief among them, Matthew Stafford? Well, with, with his injury, obviously, you'll have to watch, you know, is he practicing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? If Cup goes down, though, like, I don't know what this offense does because they've pretty much proven the only reliable weapon here is Cooper Cup. He's yeah. the only person Stafford's willing to throw the ball to outside of maybe Tyler Higby. They have no real run game to speak of. They're always playing from behind. They paid $10 million for Allen Robinson but don't want to throw him the ball. Uh, you know, I mean, this is like huge news, right? If if he goes down, that's vacating like 15 to 20 touches. So it becomes kind of a, a dart throw at like, oh, maybe, you know, Allen Robinson just becomes a wide receiver one. I would highly doubt that. But, you know, if he goes from five targets to 10 targets, like that's kind of a big bump. Um, I, I mean, I think he's, you know, Cooper Cup's pretty tough. I could see him being okay to go. But if he's out, I, I think this Ram season that's been terrible is pretty much just dead on the water without Cooper Cup. Yeah, it's really catching up to them, giving up all those first-round picks. It's kind of like a transition period from Super Bowl win all the way to maybe a potential rebuild after this year. Not trying to call it too early, but it kind of is trending that direction. Uh, they're three and four, definitely not in first place in the division at this point. And well, two losses to the Niners is not going to help their their cause. Exactly, exactly. And so we've seen Allen Robinson not perform to the level that we expected. Cooper Cup is pretty much the entire engine of the offense. And then Daryl Henderson isn't even playing as much as we were expecting, even with Cam Akers not playing anymore. Uh, This week's leading rusher was Ronnie Rivers, which I've never heard this man's uh, name in my entire life. It reminded me of like a Marvel superhero or something like that, where it's like the alliteration, you got like your silver surfer, etc. He had eight carries for 21 yards and then four receptions for 15 yards. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? So uh, Sean McVay is looking like Arthur Smith. And I kind of feel like the season might be over for him. Yeah. Sean McVay clearly hates fantasy owners. And I mean, I'm not going to put him in Arthur Smith category, but he definitely is, is not using weapons to their fullest potential right now. Yeah. Speaking of weapons going to their fullest potential, we saw a modicum of trades this week. First among them being the Kadarius Tony to the Kansas City Chiefs trade. Uh, this one kind of came out of nowhere. 
Uh, but if you were kind of reading the tea leaves, it kind of was a bit expected. Kadarius Tony was basically not playing for the Giants, even starting from the get-go. Uh, myself and many others were really expecting big things from Kadarius Tony whenever he was in New York, but it clearly wasn't working out. Uh, the former first-round pick got traded to the Chiefs for a third-round pick and a little bit of extra draft capital. So what do you think of this trade? Do you think it's actually worthwhile, or do you think this is just going to be a no-go, kind of like a Josh Gordon sort of situation? I'm interested in how he got healthy so quickly. There must be something in the barbecue there at Kansas City because he was out, you know, with a foot injury the whole year, and now he's already practicing in Kansas City. It's it's really impressive. It's it's crazy how good that training staff is there. Uh, as far as like football goes, though, this makes sense to me because Kansas City has a strong culture already. You know, it's it's somewhere for a rookie. I guess not a rookie, a second year player that hasn't played a ton. Get out of a, a weird situation in, in New York and. Uh, or at least not weird because Brian Dable is taking over and the culture is kind of shifting, but just get out of a situation where you're clearly not a cultural fit for what the new staff is trying to do. And, and maybe just, you know, get some good reps, get in line with a team that you really believe in. Um, I think, you know, the upgrade from Daniel Jones to Patrick Mahomes is pretty obvious and should help him out a ton. It's just going to be a matter of how quickly they can get him acclimated to the offense or how quickly, excuse me, Andy Reid draws up some plays for him. Uh, it, it makes a ton of sense. It's not a, a lot of capital, you know, a third round pick for a guy that was a first rounder just last year, a dude that's shown a, a ton of potential, very athletic, you know, quick, shifty, all the things that the Chiefs are, are wanting to see because right now they're really having to rely a lot on, on Travis Kelsey. Uh, so, you know, if he can become a wide receiver too behind, I, I guess, Juju, because Juju's coming on as of late, then that's huge for a team that, that needs to keep up with the firepower of the Bills. Yeah, I think it's interesting that we're seeing players get traded so early on in their careers. We saw Alex Leatherwood get cut by the Raiders after only only a little over a year. And now we're seeing the same thing with Kadarius Tony getting traded from the Giants to the Chiefs, really willing to cut bait super early on. I think the hope, though, is that he kind of takes over the MVS, Michael Hardman reps. I think that Kadarius Tony is a more dynamic player than both of those guys, whereas MVS and uh, Michael Hardman have the very good straight line speed. Kadarius Tony is one of like the twitchiest players we have in all of the NFL, where he can change direction on a dime, and that's what's really really exciting about Tony. It's just like you gotta you gotta get the character things in line, which I, I'm not trying to judge too much from the outside. I don't know the guy, but. It seems like there have been some issues in the past with New York and you also need to make sure he stays healthy and you get him in the right spots. And so who is better at that than an Andy Reid? And I I've heard of the Josh Gordon comparison a lot this week, but I don't think it's overly fair or apt. Like Josh Gordon was on the downswing of his career whenever he signed on with Kansas City. He hadn't played in years and he had some serious mental health issues, which is just as serious as any other injury in a lot of ways. So I think that Tony has a very, very good shot at performing well in Kansas city. He had a bye week this past week in order to get things right with Andy Reed. I wouldn't expect a ton of return early on, but God, like in a couple weeks, I could see him really turning it on. And this is an offense that wants more playmakers. Like, Patrick Mahomes can make it work with anybody. He's shown that. Juju's the number one receiver there. But I think that Tony really brings that upside, which I think is really exciting. If you if you have the bench room, he's definitely a stash candidate if he's not already been snagged by someone in your league. Because it's definitely someone that if you can hold on for a couple of weeks here while he gets, you know, used to everything in Kansas City, I could definitely see him popping off being, you know, like a fifteen point per game type player just by virtue of being in a high powered offense. And to your point, having 
such a unique skill set versus the, the receivers that are already there. They haven't had a true route runner type player, and so you know since Ty- Tyreek left, which I know is only this year, but you know you mentioned that Twitchy, like that's what makes Tyreek so good is just that ability to to change direction so quickly, and and I think Andy Reid will be able to utilize that very well. Yeah, I'm excited to watch that. It's just like an outside non-Chiefs fan. Like, that is good-looking football right there, so I'm excited. Some other trades that went down this week. Roquan Smith, earlier today, got traded from the Chicago Bears to the Baltimore Ravens. Former first-round pick out of Georgia. He's a linebacker, an inside linebacker, which is interesting because the Ravens have invested pretty heavily in that position over the last few years, uh, mainly by drafting Patrick Queen, who, if you remember... Very, very big piece on that LSU National Championship football team. Uh, if you've watched, though, the Ravens this year, you have noticed Patrick Queen because he sticks out like a sore thumb. The dude does not know how to do any level of pass coverage. His tackling, he's missed on a few occasions that have been very, very costly for the Ravens. And the Ravens went out and got their guy. They gave up a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick, which is pretty big compensation for a linebacker, at least. So what did you think of this trade? Do you think it'll be really impactful for the Ravens, or do you think this is just like a bleh trade? I was surprised he went for just a second rounder the reason being Rokon one even though he's at a, a low valued position he is elite at that position i mean Rokon's really the top of of really all linebackers um he's playing some of his best football right now i i think it just makes the the ravens a much better team a, a team that really needs to figure it out on defense uh, i think they probably would have been better suited getting some corners because that's really what's been hurting them but um you know, making your defense better, getting someone that can put a lot of pressure on the quarterback because he is able to get quite a few sacks even from that, the inside position should alleviate some of the strain that you'd be putting on your corners by making them, you know, cover for four or five, six seconds. Yeah. Um, they, you get Roquan, they, your team gets better. Yeah. They need that so badly because of the injuries they've had at corner. There's a slight surprise retirement from Jimmy Smith halfway through the season as well, or even a quarter way through the season, if we're being honest. And yeah, Roquan Smith, there's a lot of dynamic factors with this trade. Top 10 pick when he was coming out of Georgia, but he was also saying that he wanted out earlier this season. So Chicago kind of lost some leverage there. So I think this was a very fair trade on both sides, which we don't see very often in the NFL. Usually it's like oh, a sixth round pick for Anquan Bolden or something like that. And that was an obvious win for San Francisco. So I think this was a very fair trade. Both teams got what they wanted out of this. And I think that the Ravens have um, solidified themselves as more of a contender this week by beating the Buccaneers and then doing this trade. So um, I'm really excited for this one. We'll see what happens here. And then some, one other trade that is looking like it's in the works right now. Bradley Chubb is up for a trade right now. The linebacker from Denver. He was my dark horse defensive player of the year candidate. And he's really living up to the billing this year. He has five and a half sacks so far this season. And it's looked like the most important defender, at least in the front seven for Denver. And apparently, according to reports, he's up for a trade for a first round pick from either New York or the New York Jets, excuse me, or the Miami Dolphins. So either of those destinations are pretty exciting, and it looks like a little bit of a win-now move from both of those teams. I'd, I'd prefer it if they didn't trade him into the Patriots division because Bradley Chubb is definitely a, a great asset. This doesn't make sense to me from, from Denver's perspective because that's really them kind of waving the white flag only halfway through the season that the Russell Wilson trade was a mistake. Right? That, that's them trying to get draft capital back after losing pretty much all of it to, to get Russell. 
Um, so for that reason alone, I just don't see it happening. I, I think uh, John O is a little too proud of a, a GM to do something like that. But if it does happen, that almost sounds like you're like saying, "All right, it's fire sale in Denver." Because if he's one of your best players, you ideally would like to re-sign a guy that you you know drafted what second or third overall when they got him. So uh, it's very very interesting indeed. Yeah, definitely a high draft pick. Definitely a lot of uh, time and energy put into him. That we've talked about earlier in our pod about how he's gone through a lot of highs and lows with injuries, not having a lot of consistency early on in his career. But he's really shined whenever he's gotten a lot of time and a lot of opportunity. So whatever team he ends up going towards, uh, he might be terrorizing Mac Jones for a long time or Zappy or whoever else ends up being the quarterback in New England. So we'll see. Alrighty, so we are going to move on to winners and losers for the week. Definitely exciting time in fantasy football right now. A lot of winners this week, and I hope you had some of these winners on your team because if you didn't, you end up being a big loser on the team side of things. So at quarterback, Tua led the way with 29 points. Jalen Hurts had 28 points, and Justin Fields, a bit of a surprise, had 26 points, but... I think the one that sticks out the most here for me is definitely Justin Fields with his 26. He struggled really, really badly early on. He was getting outpassed, outclassed by a lot of other quarterbacks in the league. But since week four, him and the Bears have really turned it on, at least on offense. And he's been kind of the engine of this offense with his legs, creating plays whenever he's just scrambling around and still looking downfield whenever he needs to and making those deep passes. So um, it's been exciting for Justin Fields. Low-key, make might be the best quarterback from his draft class, you know, looking at Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence. So um, Justin Fields making things happen. It's definitely interesting to see Justin, tur- you know, turn it around. Cause there was a period of time there where it, it seemed like, Oh my goodness, are, are they going to have to like cut this guy? Or, you know, is it like, at what point are they just going to say we failed on, on this pick? And, and I think he, he's been able to progress as well as the bears are finally not trying to force him to be a pocket player. I mean, that just wasn't his game. And, you know, you see players like Lamar having so much success moving the pocket. You know, Patrick Mahomes moves the pocket. Josh Allen moves the pocket. Like, don't force your quarterback that can move the pocket into staying in the pocket. Like, let him be an athlete. Now that they're doing that, their offense looks much better. It's, it's wild. It's almost as if coaches should utilize what their players do best and, and not force them into something different. Yeah, uh, you know, who would have thought? I, I think, though, this one... Hertz jumps out to me because I'm pretty sure he played all of like two and a half quarters that game. I mean, he got like all of his points in the first half. They were up by so much on a team that had no possibility of coming back that they just kind of phoned it in at that point. Um, so, you know, if you were a Hertz owner, you had to be so excited. You probably saw him at like 22 points by halftime. You're like, holy shit, he's about to win me the week by himself. And then at the end of the game, you're like, wait, he what passed the ball maybe three more times the rest of the game. Uh, so that, that's a little tough for you. And then, too, I, I saw a stat today that it's like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are both on pace to break the Dolphins' single-season receiving record. Uh, so that's pretty awesome for Tyreek and Waddle owners, but exciting for two owners too because you know someone's got to get them the ball to to do that. Uh, really, just no one jumps out to me like as far as quarterbacks. Right, no one had like that forty-point game, but like every starting caliber quarterback played pretty well. Cause I mean, you could put Kirk cousins on here, like 24 points. He had a really interesting rushing touchdown where it was like, how is the Arizona defense so slow that Kirk ran all over the field on you? Uh, you know, there was trying to think, I feel like there's another quarterback, but it's just slipping my mind that, you know, it was again at like the 25 point range. Like just, everyone was just like right there. 
I don't think quarterback was where you won or lost this week, but if you had some of these RBs that we're going to talk about, like that took it over for you. Yeah, Kyler played well this week. Mariota played well this week. Geno Smith played well this week. A lot of guys were like above competent. Dak Prescott really bounced back, kind of like we were expecting this week. Uh, we kind of told y'all, don't panic on him, and that paid off in a big way. Uh, the quarterbacks are interesting this week just because, as you mentioned, Jalen Hurts really getting that A.J. Brown boost. And then Tua got that Lions boost going on this week. Seems like anybody who plays the Lions just is able to shred easily. So those were interesting. Um, You did mention how quarterbacks played pretty well this week, but there are a handful that played extremely poorly this week. Trevor Lawrence had seven points. He really struggled in London this week. Uh, Derek Carr had only two points, which a lot of people were starting him, and he really disappointed. And then kind of like the boomer bust candidate this week, Ryan Tannehill ended up being out last second, and Malik Willis got his first start as a rookie, and he did absolutely nothing. I saw some hype before the game that, oh, what if Malik Willis just runs for a lot of yards and does a lot of things? He was awful. He He went six for 10 for 55 yards, an interception, and only had five carries for 12 yards. So he did not a squat so pretty rough week for these guys what do you think here yeah not not to completely contradict myself because i did say your quarterback probably didn't win or lose you the week if you had Derek carr he lost you this week i I don't think too many people are you know feeling confident enough to start trevor lawrence malik willis was definitely that boomer bust play but if you're starting malik willis it was because like all your quarterbacks were injured or on by you know if you had mahomes and it was like you just didn't have the foresight to see that he's gonna have a bye week eventually or two uh, so the, yeah we're, i mean two qb but even then I, I haven't i didn't run into too many malik willis's or anything like that like i i didn't see too much going on but yeah trevor lawrence malik willis Derek carr that that was rough but Derek carr is someone that you know people might have had starting in like one quarterback leagues and it's like you just cannot put up that abysmal of a performance yeah, definitely a rough week for those guys. Uh, Malik Willis is still early on, so jury's still out on him. But I cannot believe how bad that Raiders offense looked this week. There was a stat that was going around that the Raiders did not pass midfield until like three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Like that is abysmal. And we were talking not pre-pod. ideal. Yeah, we were talking prepod. Like McDaniel's pretty much has to go at this point. Like he's supposed to be a guy who was a part of that engineering of that Patriots offense all throughout the 2000s and the 2010s. And they didn't do squat like that. That's his bread and butter. And you can't even do that well. So definitely. He's definitely he's getting slotted into really great offensive coordinator asterisk with Tom Brady as his quarterback and not a great head coach. Right. So it'll be interesting to see. Excuse me. If he goes back to New England, if he's able to pick back up where he left off, because he did have a pretty good season with Mac Jones last year, 10 and seven. The offense looks pretty good. It's just. He seems to be able to really game plan offense, but just not quite manage the team the way a head coach needs to. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, saying you're an elite level NFL offensive coordinator is nothing to scoff at. I just I think this is kind of the end of the McDaniels as a head coach experiment, and he might end up just being kind of a, a lifer Patriots offensive coordinator once the season's over. Well, not offensive coordinator because the Patriots don't want to have to pay people. So they they named them a position right underneath offensive coordinator. He'd come back as offensive coordinator. They still call plays, but they don't actually have that title. But yeah, if you need a good, like entertaining afternoon or something, if you're really bored, look up Josh McDaniel's stories in Denver. They're very entertaining. 
entertaining. He yells a lot, apparently. All right, so let's go over to running backs winners this week. There was a lot of them. I hope you had a couple of these guys on your team because if you had more than one, you pretty much had a guaranteed win. If you were going against one of these guys, you kind of lost almost automatically because these guys were just so freaking good. Uh, We usually stick with three with the winners, but I had to go six deep here. So Alvin Kamara had 43. CMC had 40. Derrick Henry had 35 against the Texans. Tony Pollard had 33. Deontay Foreman had 32 and Travis Etienne was eating. He had 25 this past week. So what stuck out to you? The best part of looking at this list is the fact that I somehow faded facing any of these running backs, right? I, I had a decent amount of Etienne. I had a decent amount of Pollard. I have a ton of CMC. He seemed to fall to me in like every draft, but yeah, I did not face Kamara. I did not face Henry. I did not face, I mean, just any of these guys this week. So very lucky week for me. A lot of W's here in, in this this fantasy week. But seeing Kamara get that usage again, I think has got to be awesome because you weren't drafting him really until the second round. So for your second round pick to start getting that kind of usage, you're excited. CMC, their owners have to be like just water, like mouth-watering, right? You know, Kyle Shanahan is using him to his fullest potential. You're a little nervous because he was still in the game when it was way out of hand. And it's like, hey, how about we don't let our glass cannon get injured? Like, let's use him when it matters. But, I, you know, as long as he's got Shannon as quarterback, I mean, he he unlocked the best of Jimmy G. He helped, you know, get Ayuk a bunch of great looks. Uh, I, I think he's going to really be the straw that stirs the the San Francisco offense. And, and you can tell, you know, a team that has invested heavily in running back, they finally got their running back. And I think this offense is about to just pop. So I'd, I'd be trying to get any player on the 49ers that, I don't think you're going to be able to get CMC. Like you don't get a guy that's a top three running back and then has a 40 point week like easily. But if you can try to get Debo, if you know, I don't know if he had a great week, but not a bad week. And you know, Ayuk had another 20 point week. Like you might want to try to get some of those guys because the, the field just opens up for them when, when CMC was playing like this. Yeah, there's a lot of concern about what CMC would look like in this offense. Kyle Shanahan likes to spread it around, give it to a bunch of different guys, specifically at the running back position. But, God, they utilize the crap out of CMC. As you mentioned earlier, he had a passing touchdown, a running rushing touchdown, and a receiving touchdown, which hasn't been done since LaDainian Tomlinson in 2005. And CMC looked dominant in all aspects of the game. I, I the And you're 100% right, too, that like the window to try and get CMC was definitely last week. It's completely closed at this point. Anyone that would be giving up CMC is a madman, or you're giving up like 15 future first round picks if you're in Dynasty, or like Justin Jefferson and all the other good receivers as well. So um, the the one that stuck out to me was Derrick Henry just going off. Uh, he has completely owned the Texans in the past, and that really continued this year. Uh, the Leak Willis show that we were expecting turned quickly into the Derrick Henry show instead. And the man was just running wild. The The holes that he was getting and then bursting through were insane. And what's also interesting is this week we have Texans against the Eagles. So I expect a very similar performance by Jalen Hurts, who's an excellent runner as well. Um, that should be a really, really good matchup on Thursday night. Football. Yeah, I would, I'd argue Miles Sanders there, right? I think he'll, he could get 15 or 20 carries and just he's so explosive that it could turn into an easy 150 yard performance. Definitely. I, I think that anyone that knows Mike Vrabel could probably have seen this game coming in the sense of like, Vrabel's a good enough coach, a smart enough coach to not ask his rookie project quarterback, right? Like they didn't draft Malik Willis saying, oh, you're going to start this year. They drafted him to really groom him over a year or two. Like I think the writing was on the wall, like Derrick Henry's about to get 40 carries because when the Titans 
don't know what's going on, they do know that they got Derrick Henry in the backfield and they're perfectly happy giving him the ball. Yeah. They got them that W. They won 17 to 10. So, all right. Speaking of players that aren't winning this week, though, we had three big losers at running back this week. Uh, Jonathan Taylor finished with only six points for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, definitely not looking like the first overall pick that we were expecting. Um, Daryl Henderson, as mentioned, got outplayed by Ronnie Rivers, of all people, and had five points. And uh, Brian Robinson gave it his best shot, but only finished with two points this week. It was definitely more of a committee in Washington than we were expecting. Gibson got the touchdown, and J.D. McKissick was doing J.D. McKissick things and stealing some snaps. So um, anything stick out to you? Anything that you think that is going to carry over to future weeks with these losers? So... I don't want any part of the commander's backfield because it's a three back committee on an awful offense. That's pretty tough pill to swallow. Same with the Rams. I don't want any Rams running back until they trade for Kareem hunt because it's just a weird looking backfield there. Jonathan Taylor, I think is still intriguing. He's still getting that RB one workload. They were down this game. No, they were up for the most part in this game. So I guess he probably should have had more touches. I think if you drafted JT, you're worried. I think if you're looking to make your team better for a playoff push, I would float out like a wide receiver two or something for just for Jonathan Taylor and just see if someone's sick of having him. Um, he's the guy that if you know if he's your third running back, you're okay benching him if you need to, and, and like that's the luxury you want to have going into the playoffs or making a playoff push. If you're relying on him, it doesn't feel great right now. But if you can get him to really round out your team, play good matchups, they'll get the Texans again. Um, you know, look at the Jaguars again, or unless they've played, they've already got the Jaguars twice. Sorry, but they'll, they'll, you know, they they have some games where you can feel comfortable putting JT. I think this offense should start to move the ball a little bit better. I mean, this was their rookie quarterback's first start. Uh, you know, you'd expect the offense to kind of figure itself out here in the next couple of weeks. I, don't, I just don't think it could be worse than it was with Matt Ryan. This was just a tough, tough week one to have, but that. That commander's defense does have a pretty solid front front four and front seven, so I, I it's not the end of the world that he got kind of shut down. Yeah, you're 100 right about your JT take. Like, I have a league where I drafted Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs as well as JT, and it feels great having Jacobs and Chubb as my RB one and RB two, and then having the glass cannon that is Jonathan Taylor as my flex. But if he was one of my starters, I'd be very nervous right now. He hasn't put up the big weeks that we were expecting. Um, I've seen some things where he's actually technically the worst first-round pick out of all of the first-round picks in that 10 to 12 range. Um, So definitely a disappointing year for him. I I expect big things next year, but this seems like a bit of a lost year for the Colts, um, which is crazy to say because they're still technically in the playoff contingent. So let's not dwell on the bad, and let's move on to the good. A lot of good wide receiver winners this week. Uh, First off, A.J. Brown went crazy crazy this week he had 40 points ended up getting drug tested today because he just looked so damn good deandre hopkins has looked amazing since he came back from his own drug suspension he had 34 points tyree kill and jalen waddle craziest wide receiver one and two combo that we've seen in a while they had 32 points and 31 points respectively and then our boy or at least my your boy, boy your boy my boy DJ Moore had 28 points, had almost a game-winning reception at the end of the game off of a Hail Mary. He was 100% back. And this is just DJ Moore doing DJ Moore things, where he is really slow starting and then has a really good middle of the season. So uh, people lost faith, but I did it. 
I'm still here. They they wrote we're, they wrote him off, but he didn't write back. Were were you able to acquire any DJ Moore stocks while he was all the way down? Oh yeah, I got a lot of DJ Moore. I played DJ Moore this week against the guy that I acquired DJ Moore back from, and he was in shambles, and it felt great. Yep, uh, AJ Brown. What a week. Don't expect this every week just because three touchdowns is pretty tough to get. DeAndre Hopkins, I could not be more happy that I acquired him everywhere I could because he is really just stepping up. That that Marquise Brown injury sucks for Marquise Brown. It's sensational for DeAndre Hopkins others because he's just getting fed the rock right now. And then to your point, yeah, Tyreek and, and Jalen, like I don't know how you defend the Dolphins when these two are healthy and on the field. Yeah, I, the whole Cardinals offense is looking pretty solid. Not necessarily in real life, like the defense is so bad they're giving us so many points they're not winning. But God, like for a fantasy environment, like you got to be happy with the guys that you have as long as you didn't draft AJ Green. So a lot of wide receiver winners. And then on the loser side of things, uh, I just did like a, a, a zero burger tier with this one. George Pickens, Rashad Bateman, and Elijah Moore, all guys that we were expecting pretty good performances from i'll put up zero points for a variety of reasons elijah moore because the Jets just apparently hate him and only gave him one target pickens just because like picket things i guess and then rashad bateman got injured halfway through the game so all these guys put up zero points um i also lumped together the raiders on this one uh Devontae adams and hunter renfro went for two points or less this week not what you're expecting out of a uh, eighth round pick or so in Hunter Renfro or a first round pick in Devontae Adams. And then Cortland Sutton struggled this week against the Jaguars. He only put up two points, which is a bit of an under the radar poor showing this week for him. The Pickens one killed me because I'm in a league where if you are the top score of the week, you get $10 and I had him in my lineup. And so that zero burger cost me the, the chance at uh, the top score. If I would have played a, um, a sneaky pick, maybe not someone that a lot of people are playing, but if I would have thrown Garrett Wilson in there, that's 17 points that would have put me over the top. Uh, but then, you know, that, that's fantasy, right? That's that's why we love it. There's a little bit of variance there. Uh, Bateman, that's unfortunate with the injury. Elijah Moore buried Zach Wilson after the game. They asked him, hey, you know, what what kind of chemistry do you have with Zach? And he said, I don't know that I don't get the ball or something along those lines. Like, he's doing everything he can to get just out of there. Um Sucks if you have Devontae Adams. That was a weak loser because so many people popped off. You needed Devontae to match the the intensity, and he did not. Corlin Sutton, you know, he was the guy everyone was like, hey, this is the piece I want in this Broncos offense. And I, and I think Jerry Judy's really stepping up as a wide receiver one. He had 18 points this week or, or something like that. Um, definitely just getting a lot more targets. I, I don't think Russ can push the ball down the field the way people were expecting, and that makes it Jerry Judy's kind of – uh, bread and butter, you know, those quick routes, those really crisp routes that he's known to run and not those 50-50 balls that Sutton can win. I, I think I definitely want Jerry Judy going forward and, and I'd maybe even try to acquire him because it's just looking more and more likely that Jerry Judy's going to get a ton of targets. On that Denver Broncos point, so let me read you out Cortland Sutton's points since week six. So starting week six, week six against the Chargers, he's put up three points, five points, and two points in PPR scoring. Do you think he's droppable at this point? I don't think you can drop him because he is an injury away from being a, a all by himself wide receiver one. Uh, he's definitely not someone you're going to be starting because you just can't deal with a, a floor like that. Right. I mean, a, a two point floor is like, that's a guy you get off the waiver wire and, and do for a matchup. That's not someone you want to like, you spend a 50th overall pick to get him. So that feels pretty bad, but I, I just don't think you're dropping him yet. 
Yeah, I don't think you drop him either, especially because there's been rumors about Jerry Judy getting traded. So even if he's not injured, he might just be off the team altogether if this Denver Broncos team decides to hit a full reset. So I think you also hold on to him. But yeah, he's definitely a sit and stay, just sit and see kind of candidate at this point. So um, rough sledding for Sutton owners. Tight ends were predictably unpredictable this week. Tyler Conklin came back after a few bad performances and had 26 points for the Jets. Why not? Um, Isaiah likely filled in for an injured Mark Andrews and went off. He had 20 points this week. And then our boy, Kyle Pitts, returned. Arthur Smith was like, you know what? We're going to let you play this week after everybody already benched him. And he had 19 points this week. On the loser side of things, I put Mark Andrews just because like there really wasn't any other big losers, but he just got hurt. It looks like he's going to be back. He's kind of escaping a major injury, unlike Rashad Bateman, who looks like he's going to be out a few weeks. Tyler Higby was a little disappointing, only putting up four points. And then Logan Thomas, after being injured for a few weeks, came back this week and only put up zero points. So um, what do you think about this? It's just normal tight end things, or is there something sticky here? I'm going to go with normal tight end things. This is the first time Zach Wilson ever, like looked Conklin's way since he took over as the starter. Uh, if we see this continue to happen, I, I think one, that bodes well for the Jets offense, and two, that's awesome for Conklin owners. If Andrews is back, likely immediately goes back to someone that you can't really trust. As long as Arthur Smith is the coach, I don't know if you can trust starting Kyle Pitts, but at least there's some vindication for those of us that have to put him in you know in their starting tight end slot just because you have no other real option and you spend a third-round pick on him. Um, I, I don't know if I'm not going to trust it. I'm not going to be like, there we go. That's right. Slot Kyle Pitts for 20 points a week, you know, going forward, but you can at least breathe easy knowing that you maybe got a win. Cause finally you got some points out of your tight end. Yeah. He ran a lot of routes this week. He was like 30 plus routes for the first time all year, which was exciting. But do we really know if it's going to be sustainable? I have no idea. Drake London was the one who got faded this week because Kyle Pitts did well. So I don't trust Arthur Smith at all. The dude's a snake at this point to me. All right, we're moving on to our cut them off candidate, uh, candidates this week, our segment where we tell you players that you can drop. Uh, there's a lot of exciting waiver wire ads this week, so we definitely had to add a few here. Uh, I have Jameis Winston, Jeff Wilson Jr., and Hunter Renfro as cut candidates. Do you disagree with any of those? I don't know why you'd have Jameis on your roster still. Be, like, once I saw that it was a back injury... I was like, even though I loved Jameis going into the season, I was like you're not going to be able to throw well when all of your power comes from like rotational force and you have four broken vertebrae. Like that was just a, an obvious. This isn't going to work out. Renfro was a surprise to me how bad his season's been, but yeah, you've probably already cut him, and, and if you haven't, you can get him out of there. Jeff Wilson Jr. This one's this one's tough because this was the guy you spent all of your fab budget to get. He was going to be your league, you know, your league winner, your savior because. You, you missed on running back, but you were able to snag just Jeff Wilson Jr. And then the 49ers came off the top rope by trading for CMC. But I just don't – I don't know if you drop him just yet. You could probably keep him one more week, maybe two. But the more it's obvious that CMC is the the full you know RB1 in this offense, the the easier it becomes to, to drop Jeff Wilson. I think he did get a touchdown this week, though. So it's like, again, I, I don't think you drop him just yet. Hmm. I, I kind of have to disagree with Jeff Wilson. Like the CMC thing is just so sticky. And then like Elijah Mitchell will be back any day soon. 
I, I definitely feel like Jeff Wilson, he was supposed to be the chosen one, right? Like he was supposed to deliver us from darkness, not make it. And like next thing we know, we have CMC getting traded in here. It's like, what the fuck? Like this was supposed to be my fancy darling. He was supposed to be this year's Elijah Mitchell. He was supposed to be Mike Davis from a few years ago. And now he's just getting thrown to the back of the depth chart. So it's a lot of pain. I was really excited for Jeff Wilson. He's been a very good spot start for me throughout the last few weeks. And now he's just kind of worthless. So. Yeah, I just looked it up. He did not have a touchdown this past week. I think okay, he's I droppable think so. because coming off the bye, Elijah will be back. So yeah, any day it's now. Tough. It's tough. Yeah. And like, you never know, like CMC one injury down and then next week, Elijah Mitchell, obviously injury prone. Anything could happen with a Kyle Shanahan offense, but. I, the third string running back is really hard to roster at this point. Some guys that you can pick up as the other side of this transaction. Uh, we have one candidate for quarterback, running back, and wide receiver and tight end each. Um, I'll run through mine real quick. Justin Fields at quarterback feels like a very obvious add to me. Uh, the the rushing floor adds a whole other level for him. He had 60 yards and a touchdown this week. Um, I like Justin Fields and what he's doing and the Bears offense right now. And I'm getting a lot of confidence in him. Um, at least so far. We'll see what ends up happening going forward. Jalen Warren, I like at running back a little bit, uh, just as like a bit of a flyer. There are a ton of good running back candidates this week. He looked pretty good against uh, the Eagles this past week. He had 50 yards on six rushes. Uh, Najee Harris, though, was looking extremely rough. I, I don't know why he honestly, at this point, he isn't on the loser candidates every single week. Um, Jalen Warren looks like he could be getting more and more carries, especially as the Steelers kind of, fall into rebuild mode a little bit because uh, let's be honest, they're two and six. They're not going anywhere. So Jalen Warren will probably get a few looks at running back wide receiver. I kind of was going between two uh, Terrence Marshall jr. And Rondale Moore TMJ is a extremely talented wide receiver out of LSU. He was the number two receiver next to Jamar chase on that LSU team. Um, got drafted fairly highly, but a lot of people forgot about him because he just wasn't getting playing time. But this past week, he got double-digit targets again, back-to-back uh, -back weeks of that instance. And he very much so looks like the wide receiver, too, in this uh, surprisingly competent Panthers offense. P.J. Walker looked pretty damn good this past week. That Hail Mary to D.J. Moore was insane. Um, so I like TMJ a lot just as a flyer. It reminds me a lot of like a second half rookie because like he basically didn't have a rookie year. And Rondale Moore I like a lot too. He was the sixth best wide receiver in PPR scoring this past week. And he's just really living up to that potential. Um, we talk about DeAndre Hopkins is like obviously the wide receiver one, but Rondale Moore is such a good compliment and that offense and is really good at just like running those vertical routes and taking the lid off the defense, which is very, very huge for Kyler Murray. And then tight end, fairly obviously, tight end two on the week. Isaiah likely looked great this past week and relief of Mark Andrews. Even if Mark Andrews comes back, I kind of like likely as a candidate to just be a good second tight end. Like, I, I don't want to compare it to like the the Patriots offense where they had Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, but it kind of feels like this offense can support two tight ends potentially. So I like likely as a flyer. Yeah, and then I would go PJ Walker. I think you know Fields and Walker, are the two obvious low owned, lowly owned quarterbacks, but are starting to really play with confidence. And, and if you need a quarterback, then these are the guys you're definitely grabbing. I would grab Chuba Hubbard. I think he probably got dropped in a lot of leagues after that injury news from this week. He might still be rostered kind of highly, but when he's in, he's obviously going to get ten to fifteen touches, has some touchdown upside. He, he's worth stashing if your league mates have dropped him. 
obviously you got to go Katerius Tony. We talked about him at the beginning of the pod, but there's you're going to stash him. You're, you're not playing him the first week he's in. Uh, but I think just like the sky's the limit for what he could do with this Chiefs offense. And then I, I looked before the pod and Tyler Conklin is only under 15% of leagues, which is insane because he's like a top 10 tight end, top five if you consider, I think, just points per game. But, you know, if he's going to start getting some looks, like you got to get him on your roster um, because tight end is pretty tough to predict position. So if you have any any semblance of consistency, like you have to feel good about that. Yeah, we've been touting Conklin for a while now. and He was really letting us down, but he looked a lot better this week. So Zach Wilson's kind of, there's a lot of rumbles where people are talking about him just getting benched flat out for Joe Flacco. Dude, if Flacco goes in, Conklin is elite, t- tight in three territory. Yeah, but at least he's like one of the few people, unlike Elijah Moore, that looks like he has some cam- uh, some chemistry with Zach Wilson. So crazy times in New York. We'll see. Uh, I, I don't know if you've looked at their schedule, but it is brutal. It's brutal. Yeah, it's like game. Bills, Patriots, Bills or something like that. Like it's, I mean, yeah. it, it's not fun for them. They're getting that AFC East juggernaut. Like every single team in the AFC East is at least somewhat competent. So they're, they're yeah. really, you can see they're reeling from losing Brees Hall. Like they just did not have that that reliable explosiveness out of him. I could see their their season slipping pretty quickly. Yeah, and like I was expecting it to be at least okay with James Robinson and Michael Carter, but like nobody really did squat. So uh, tough week for them. All right, we're going to transition to the NBA, do our three and D segment here. Just a reminder, this is where we do three takes and we're going to defend them. Uh, just for like brevity's sake, we're going to combine our three takes and just have three combined takes. Makes a lot more sense than posting six. So we're going to keep with the, the theme and keep it at three. So uh, I'll hit you all with my first one. This has been one of my ex- most exciting developments of the entire NBA season so far. Bull Bull is good, good. Bull Bull was a draft pick by the Denver Nuggets. He fell on drafts because of an injury right before the draft. He uh, went to the University of Oregon, looked dynamic there, but because of the injury, he just truly fell off. Sat on the bench for three years in the dip for the Denver Nuggets. Um, Coach Malone just like wasn't having anything with him. Signs on or he gets traded to the Orlando Magic this season and has looked great he's actually been starting games for them because of a couple injuries as well in his last four games he's averaging 14 points per game eight rebounds per game two and a half blocks and shooting 70 percent from the field he has been a revelation for the orlando magic especially a team that has had a lot of injuries and has kind of been struggling a little bit with their normal backup big man mobamba really struggling so uh bull bull has just been a revelation um, they have the Twin Towers going on with him and Wendell Carter Jr. Um, honestly, less of a Twin Towers and more of just like a whole-ass skyline. And it's been really exciting to watch as a Magic fan, but just like as an overall NBA fan because he looks so balanced and poised after a lot of just uh, lost seasons for him. So uh, welcome to the League Bull Bull, and I hope you stay a while. <laughs> What's more exciting to you, a big playing out of his mind or like a, a surprise guard playing out of their mind? I don't have the big whenever it's a guy like Bull Bull because he's like seven foot and 130 pounds, just like a string bean. And he's like a guard in a center's body, which uh, a few years ago, that would have been pretty boring because it would have been more of a back to the back to the basket kind of guy. But nowadays, like it's it's guards that are able to or it's centers that are having the skills of guards. And so I think it's just really exciting whenever a guy can put the ball on the floor and do a lot of the, the normal basketball things where 20 years ago you would have just been boring and stiff as a board so i think it's definitely a big man at this point okay uh, so then my take um 
which is kind of a, a bit of a question and a bit of a like, what the hell is going on? But we saw Kanye, you know, have an anti-Semitic tweet and it looks like his life is completely falling apart because of it. Kyrie Irving is still playing somehow and he uh, was promoting the anti-Semitic book and movie. You know, our, our friends within the Jewish community are not happy with Kyrie Irving right now. Like, is he going to get canceled or dropped or like, it's not like the, the Nets are known for not having, a, you know, a Jewish fan base, you know, being that, that New Jersey team or the, or the Brooklyn team. They're like, what's going on with Kyrie? What's going to happen here? I think that's going to be a very interesting development. Uh, I just don't see how a league that's really trying to preach inclusivity is going to be just like, ah, it's, yeah, that's Kyrie, you know, classic Kyrie, whatever, and just like move on from this. Yeah, this is a league that's progressive. This is a league that has gone through a lot of just like very murky waters lately with these moral dilemmas. And Joe Sy, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, came out and tweeted that they were condemning this. They were not happy with Kyrie, um, but he still is playing and the the league accounts are still promoting Kyrie. So it's really confusing what road they're going to end up taking with this. I could see them taking the the Sean Jackson path where they try and get him into some level of rehabilitation. And Deshaun Jackson, despite having his anti-Semitic comments, is back in the NFL. He's on the Baltimore Ravens. So um, it's kind of hard to tell what end up the path is going to end up being. I definitely think he deserves some level of suspension or expulsion. Um, But yeah, cancel culture is not real. And I don't really see Kyrie Irving because the talent level is obviously insane. Um, I don't see him having very long, like long-term ramifications, but um, I definitely think there should be because it's anti-Semitism is coming way too mainstream nowadays. It's honestly kind of scary. Just like all over the place with Kanye and Kyrie. I, 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 I don't want to see it be, be that way. And it's just like, well, like what the hell, how are we going back to the 1940s all of a sudden? But what's more likely does the NBA condemn Kyrie and actually give him a serious punishment or does the NBA, uh, admit that the ccp commits you know human or atrocities on a human scale i guess i don't think either is it going to happen if i'm being honest multi-billion dollar business and they try to toe the line which for better or for worse yeah i, I think it, it's goes saying uh the mac and d podcast is pretty uh, anti-kyrie right now not even yeah, right yeah, now yeah. just in general we're pretty anti-kyrie We've been on that train since about 2016, even though we weren't a podcast back then. We, we knew. In spirit, I was like, there's some kid from you know Southwest Missouri. I think he agrees <laughs> with me on this one. Uh, no to Kyrie. Yeah, we didn't even know each other back then. That's very crazy. All right, so my last take that I have here, ending on a more positive note, Dennis Smith Jr. is 100% back. I love that he's a rotation player again. Um, for those that haven't kept up with Dennis Smith Jr. lately, obviously was a high lottery pick out of NC State, uh, drafted by the Mavericks. Really looked like the complimentary guard next to Luka Doncic, but then got frozen out by Rick Carlisle. Got traded to the Knicks for Porzingis. Weird trade, but it went down. He got frozen out again in New York and then signed on with Portland after getting waived as a COVID signing. Um, he had a couple injuries as well. Got cut once again after getting a UCL tear. It was very confusing where his career was going to go. There was an article that came out this week that Dennis Smith Jr. was actually considering switching to defensive back, not not shooting guard, not small forward, 
defensive back and play in the NFL. Um, but instead, he decided to sign on with the Charlotte Hornets, who are a surprising 3-3 three and three so far, staying afloat even without LaMelo Ball. And Dennis Smith Jr. is a big piece of that. He's been averaging 12 points, 6 assists, and 4 rebounds. And he's only 24 years old. Like, yes, the three-point shot still needs a little bit of work. It's not been fall- It's been falling this year, but it's not been falling for him in the past. Um, and yes, LaMelo Ball is going to come back, but he has established himself as a true rotation player, which like a couple of years ago when he was tolling around in Detroit, didn't look like it was going to happen. From all intents and purposes, it looks like he's a good kid, and I'm really excited that he's back after all the injuries that he sustained. So, Dennis Smith Jr., welcome back. Right on. That was a great 3 and D, I'd say. Thank you. That's a TikTok right there. All right, so we're going to transition over to our hot take section. Uh, this week, we are doing a power ranking of the best sports-related costumes that we can think of. So you want to you hit us off with your first one? Absolutely. And I don't know if this is an, an order. I, I just try to think of like what's doable, what would make sense, uh, maybe what's easy for, for people to pull off. So I think to me the easiest couple's costume timely painful for those of us that believe in and tom but the tom giselle costume has to be super easy to pull off right like all you need is the the guy to wear a tom brady jersey and the girl just wears something kind of high fashion and bam you know couple's costume ready to go um tom it just said this past week you know how um it has been affecting him but like he really finally admitted like yeah we are going through the divorce as people have heard on, on his instagram you know they talked about everything going on so it's like it's sad to see that that's what's happening, but if you know, there's definitely much less tasteful couples costumes out there. Um, so you know, this one I don't think is the worst, and it'd be pretty easy to pull off. Yeah, it's an elite functional costume, right? Like, which dude doesn't want to wear a jersey on Halloween if he's not a big fan of the holiday? And who doesn't want to be a model on the girls' side? So everybody gets a little bit of everything if they want, you know. It or even you know, better, you know, have the the roles reversed. You can have the the girl be Tom and have the guy be the the sexy, you know man as giselle costume really just mix it up be as progressive as possible why not bring your bring your little kid as the the little uh brady son so a lot, a lot of interesting options there my first one that i had was one that i saw on twitter that was masterfully pulled off um it was the sickos committee uh, I, i'm sure you've seen this twitter account before basically they just post like the most sicko shit you can think of whenever it comes to sports and it's from that meme where it's this guy standing out a window and he's just saying ha ha Haha, <laughs> yes. And this guy pulled it off perfectly. He wore the glasses, he wore the the black hair, he had the window pane and he had his hands put up to it. And it was just masterfully pulled off. And I was jealous I didn't think of it. And uh yeah, just great sports related costume. Love it. Perfect. Uh, another one, you know, uh Eli Manning's kind of really been taking the internet by storm. Everyone loved uh Peyton coming out of you know his retirement. I think people are on the fence. Obviously, New York loved Eli because of what he did uh, for the Giants, but I don't think people knew him as a personable guy just yet, or really knew what he had to offer. They only really knew him as like derp face memes from from games. But Eli is really kind of coming into his own, starting to be a, a bit of an entertainer with his brother. Did a a bit with ESPN where he dressed up as Chad Powers and, and tried out for the Penn State football team. And then like, you know, you could really see like he was able to spend the ball, get some, get some people nervous. Like, well, you know, who the hell is this guy? I think it could be a fun costume. Might be a little tough. You might have to do some explanation on it, but give you a chance to just be, um, you know, something pretty timely here for sports, something kind of fun 
throw on a you know throw on a Penn State jersey again to your point getting a Penn State jersey or just wearing a jersey as your costume is awesome put on a headband long hair wig and you're good to go I don't think you even need the face prosthetics yeah you can get like one of those custom t-shirts that they're selling too a lot of people say that if you have to like explain your costume it's not a good costume but I fully disagree like I think that makes it even funnier personally so it's it's always a good time if you're like at a bar or at like a house party or something like that and you're having to like yell over all the music and explain to someone what you're wearing your most obscure costume ever a lot of good memories doing that personally my next one is uh, one that we brought up on the pod before, but uh, former head coach for the New York Jets and Buffalo Bills, current ESPN commentator Rex Ryan, um, big big personality, big body, very white teeth, and kind of just a very memorable face. Uh, very easy costume that you could do with that, and then uh, you could play off his foot fetish as well. So this one is the Rex Ryan toe fetish. Uh, he's had a lot of moments where he's just brought up feet for really random reasons and has really tried to get that scrub from the re- record. Uh, there's not been an, an article about it for a while, but uh, that will that will live on forever in my memories that Rex Ryan has that foot fetish. And I think it'd be a very funny costume. I haven't seen this one executed. Honestly, if you're a med student, I think you just wear your white coat, put on um, your stethoscope. So it's like you're a podiatrist and then just like buy a Jets hat and uh, the like the, the radio. And bam, your your Rex Ryan podiatrist costume. I think it'd be pretty easy. You don't have to do too much explaining to to other sports fans, and uh, you know, making fun of Rex Ryan. What could go better than that? Yeah, an absolute elite one. What else you got? Yeah, I you know, in, in the uh, the media in general, I think we're slowly starting to figure out that pretty much the entirety of the NFL hates Russell Wilson. Uh, Danger Russ is just. He's coming out with with different quotes, different slogans, everything. Like people are just ha- are having their fill of Russ. Uh, I think you just go as Russell Wilson uh, to a Halloween party. Just walk up and after every statement, say "Let's ride," and you know, just just annoy the shit out of people. Do like high knees in the middle of the party. Make sure you're stretching like in the middle of the dance floor. Just really lean into the character and just see how quickly you can lose all of your friends by pretending to be Russell Wilson for a day. Yeah, as long as you commit to the bit, people are going to understand it. And I know a lot of people say that he's robotic, but like he is the most robotic person. Like he doesn't seem real. It feels like he's in a simulation at all times. So uh, as much as I don't like hating on a singular person, he kind of deserves it with the way that he acts and like thrusts himself into the public eye. So um, I like this one a lot. And I think if you just go around and say, let's ride a lot, a lot of people are going to laugh. It'd be a good one. My next one is Peyton Manning, just to complete the the Eli-Peyton combo here. I think his forehead is just so iconic. It's so long. It's so tall. Um, it's basically a football field long. If you were to put on a little bit of a bald cap, one of the many different Peyton Manning jerseys that are out there, a lot of people would really enjoy it. Uh, the impression, is it too difficult to do? If you just quickly look up the Miles Teller impression that was done on SNL a few weeks ago, you can pick up the banerisms. You could try and repeat one of his many SNL commercials that he's done. And yeah, you just have a great night as Peyton Manning is a Hall of Fame quarterback. I think a lot of people will get a kick out of it. Yeah, my next one, again, we're going to go with Hall of Famers. This one I think would be fun for the bigger guys out there, but dress as Andy Reid, all right? There's so many great things about an Andy Reid costume. One, all you have to do is like wear a Chiefs pullover, like windbreaker, maybe get like the headset or something on. Um, I think you could include food in the costume and like, you know, laugh it off and say, oh, it's part of the costume as you casually eat like a 10 piece bucket from KFC as the night goes on. 
it, it would just add to the hilarity of it all. Maybe bring some barbecue with you, share it with people, and they'll just like love you for it. But uh, just an awesome costume. You get to wear a cool mustache. Like, there's just a lot of great things about being Andy Reid. Uh, and then, like, he's also just a lovable person. So, like, no one's going to be like, oh, you're a dickhead for doing this or that. Like, they're going to laugh and just say, yes, love it. You know, go Andy. Um, yeah, I think there's nothing else to it. You know, I think you just have a lot of fun with that one. Yeah, just start going around and drawing mustaches on people. Recreate the State Farm commercial. People will love it. Uh, my next one is a little bit Houston niche, but it's Andre Johnson wear an Andre Johnson jersey, and then put on a couple boxing gloves. Like, one of the my most favorite fights as a kid growing up was watching him and Cortland Finnegan just duke it out. Never has there ever been a fist fight on a field that I've seen that is so dramatic and just, like, full-thrusting, absolute maximum power. Like, this wasn't just, like, a tiny little fist fight like we see in the NBA. Like, these guys were going at it. And Andre Johnson had a mean right hook. And I think a lot of people get a kick out of this one. Um, I've seen this done a couple times around here in Houston since I moved here. Um, I saw a couple people yesterday with this idea. But uh, I think it could be executed flawlessly, and a lot of people would like it. I I think to add to it, I mean, you could really pick – a lot of different athletes, you know, kind of tailor it to your area. If you're in, if you're in New Orleans, you could be like a, a CJ Gardner Johnson guy. I feel like he's gotten into a lot of fights. If you're from Tampa, you could wear your Mike Evans jersey because he's been getting thrown out of games for fighting. Like, just pick whoever is like a potentially hated athlete from your area, put on their jersey, grab some boxing gloves, and you're good to go. Yeah, easy money. Like, you can't go wrong with that one. So, <laughs> and then my last pick here. I, I think this one is just fun to do in general uh, if you're a Dolphins fan, but I think you just wear a Penguin costume and throw a Waddle jersey over it. I mean, you're going to have Waddle on your team for a while, so buying a Waddle jersey is not a big investment, and then having the Penguin costume is just pretty funny for a night. So, you know, easy, easy. You just get a Waddle around uh, and celebrate your team actually having really good receivers. Yeah, this one's for the kids too. Like, I think you could are- also, if, if you're a Dolphin fan, you could do Tyreek with boxing gloves. We'll leave that one alone. Okay. <laughs> well, my last one is an old one, but one that I used to see whenever uh, this guy was on the Lions. Uh, Kenny Galladay uh, has a great last name. Galladay N was a lot of my fancy team names back in the day. Basically just playing off of the Holiday Inn, Holiday Inn Hotel. And the, the nickname for him was that he was always open. The Galladay Inn, it's always open. So I saw a lot of kids that would wear Galladay jerseys and then have some like cardboard hotel kind of cut out around them as well. It was cute. It was punny. It was funny. I, I enjoyed it and I still enjoy it to this day. I still get a kick out of it. So um, yeah, th- th- those are, that concludes our power rankings. I, I like all 10 of these. We got Tom Brady, got Chad Powers, Russell Wilson, Andy Reid, Jalen Waddle, the Sickos committee, Rex Ryan, Peyton Manning, Andre Johnson, Kenny Galladay. Like we kind of, kind of everything with this one. Yeah. I, I work. I think we got we really dug into about as many sports as we or not as many sports but as many sports characters that we could be. I mean, it's definitely leaning pretty heavy NFL. Yeah. Um. So the basketball fans, hockey fans out there might be disappointed at us, but right now this is pretty NFL focused as we're you know in the throes of the NFL season. Yeah. If you end up dressing up as one of these tonight, let us know. Or I guess last night because we posted this on <laughs> November first. So <laughs> I want to see it. So just picture. If you beat us to the punchline, let us know. Yeah, you just you just know it's the universe speaking to you. So, all righty. So I think it's going to wrap it up for us. Any last burning thoughts, Jimmy D? 
no, I'm just excited for uh, what seems to be like maybe offenses are finally figuring it out. Like I'm hoping for more offensive football and, and more fantasy weeks where you're excited to not look at your roster and see like 80 points. Yeah, I think a lot of people are getting really bored with fantasy football because it's just rough when your guy gets five points. But now explosions, you got to have the the arms race going on with one of these top guys or you're just kind of screwed. So uh, it's been fun. I hope it continues upcoming. And uh, yeah, this week, should be a good week for offense. Bye, everybody. See ya.